Cave Comedy Radio is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Input the code CCR at checkout for discounts. Hey there, uh, Cave Comedy Radio fans. Um, you're about to listen to uh, Sex and Other Human Activities. Um, my name is Bunky Houseman, and um, I wrote in and uh, got some advice from Jackie Marcus, and at first I thought it was great, and then um, I fucking lost everything. Um, so if you could uh, just know that their advice is for entertainment purposes only. You know, I lost my family, I lost my house. And um, I lost my career, uh, which was hard to do. I was a professional gambler. I thought that would be a thing that they could help me do, and they did. Um, so if you have any questions or advice you need, just make sure you email cavecarmenradio at gmail.com, ask for Marcus or Jackie, and, um, or maybe just say hello to Henry from last podcast on the list because he needs, he needs your, your attention. He needs your affection. Um, so thank you, and enjoy sex and other human activities. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Recording live from the Creek in the Cave in Why? Long Island City. I'm Marcus Parks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. I'm going a little bit too much into the radio voice here up top. Yeah, what is going on with that? <laughs> but I gotta say, man, fucking saw Silver Linings Playbook last night. So fucking good. I mean, I'm probably a little bit behind the game, and I'm sure a lot of the... I mean, I really don't know how many people have seen this movie. I mean, or if it even did well in the theaters. I did, I think, because it got all of the buzz. It got all the Golden yeah. Globe buzz. It got all the Oscar buzz. And and I, I understood... What's her name? Jennifer... Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. And she was great in that movie. Yeah. I think that's the reason why she won the Golden Globe was because there wasn't a whole lot... Um, to compete with her on, I, th- I think she did a great job capturing anger, yeah. especially out of grief. But Bradley Cooper was by far the star of that movie. Oh, ab- above and beyond! I can't even believe it. I am. I mean, I'm in love with him, <laughs> and not even just because of his looks. But in that movie, he's so real. He is a real person with. Manic depression. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I got, I mean, it was one of the hardest movies for me to watch that I, I think I've ever seen in the theaters. I have never been so close to crying. In, like, and I'm not just saying like a little bit weepy. I'm talking like all out bawling. Oh, yeah. In a, in a movie theater, in a crowded movie theater. Well, that's what I was saying that, like, usually, see, I am a crier at movies and I didn't cry at that movie, but there was something that settled in my chest that made me so upset because it's also you know i know that you've dealt with this and also my mother is bipolar as well so it's watching that and watching it done well that's terrifying done perfectly and without any kind of romanticizing it no like, it, it just it's showing how absolutely awful it is uh and how and- hard it is to love someone with these disorders sometimes not all the time but (laughs) there you know there are just some days when you're just like i love you why are you acting like this yeah it's because it's out of their control completely out of it like it it was it was perfect for me the the moment that i knew that it was i i don't i never thought that i would be moved to cry during a led zeppelin song yeah Uh, but there's there's a a scene in the movie where you actually see because how the movie starts off is that this guy bradley cooper's character has had a huge mental breakdown he is uh he's been diagnosed as bipolar and probably like his late early to mid 30s something like that he has a huge breakdown and he comes out of a mental institution after like eight months and you're just kind of wondering like what was that 
breakdown like? Like what actually happened there? And and then it shows this breakdown, and it, it's perfect with bipolar because it starts with such a small thing. Oh yeah, like such a small it just flares out tiny thing, and it this it's I can't remember what Led Zeppelin song it is, but it just keeps building more and more and more until it just finally ends in this huge gigantic. And I never I was lucky that I never blew up during the like it blew up around other people i was always alone yeah anytime there was something that uh the anytime there was a huge breakdown with me i was always alone never let anybody see it you know right. at all uh except not for, that he really wanted anyone to see it Mo- you know sometimes you just you can't hold it in no no you can't control it at all uh and then the next day is when after that blow up the next day what what got me is like that scene was just fucking like all this emotion was building up and then the next day like the next scene is just him staring down at his hand with medication in his hand and you can see printed on one of them Seroquel and that was what they put me on right after like right after my big fucking break like and I was just like I just went fuck you're in public (laughs) (laughs) and there was all these other weird parallels like the doctor that diagnosed me as bipolar was named Patel and oh, his really? doctor is oh, named weird. Patel. Oh, God. <laughs> it was just this... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and it also... like I loved how like, it was this complete unflinching look at uh, mental illness in so many different forms. Like right. mental illness and bipolar disorder, mental illness and OCD oh, yeah. with uh, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Guy, who I don't necessarily like Robert De Niro that much. You cray. Yeah, <laughs> I think he might be crazy. I know, I know, I'm a little crazy. I loved him, I like early Robert De Niro. Like, I love that, like Taxi Driver and shit, like that. Sure. Like, I love that. I guess I should say I haven't liked Robert De Niro in a good twenty years. Well, of course, because now he's an old man, so he doesn't yeah. really get to play what he wants to play anymore. But he really fleshed out that fucking character. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like dad character. Oh, he's got OCD. He just. He fucking nailed it. Mm-hmm. Where it's because it was one of those things where it's the same thing like when you first started the watching movie. It's the same thing when you meet someone with uh, a mental disorder such as that. You don't realize something is amiss until you get to know them. Yeah. And it's like even like as you got to know the characters, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it yeah. is. Like when you see it in their face and in their eyes when they just lose control. Mm-hmm. And they just... They just capture that so well. I, I don't know how they did it. It was all like even in the way the movie was written, it was written manically. Yeah. You know, there were these high peaks and then these valleys of just sad despair. Yeah. Just intense despair. Uh, and it was, you know, and I liked how it made it where. Uh, the depression wasn't like the uh, depressive parts of his uh, illness weren't crippling. He was still able to get out. And that's how I was too. Like my, my depression is not crippling. I can still get out and do stuff, but it's just this buzz in your head. And his trigger in the movie is uh, a song. Uh, And there's a scene in the movie uh, where he has, you know, gotten to a, a fight with Jennifer Lawrence. And all of a sudden there's all these people surrounding him and yelling at him because they think that he's abused her and the song starts coming and it's just and it's done in a way like I, I really think that the director of photography and the sound editor of that movie have they have to have bipolar disorder like there's, they yeah. there's no way in hell that they could have captured that as well as they did if they didn't know firsthand what that felt like and what it was uh, and especially how it's all psychological like it's all yeah. inside and you just can't stop it you feel it inside your head it's the best movie 
movie about mental illness that I've seen in years. And I've, I don't know if I've ever, honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that's captured my fucking struggles yeah. and what it's really like. And I've never seen it put outside on that. And I learned something about myself from it. Like I came out of that movie a better person uh, and specifically in a, a part of my mental illness that uh, I've kind of known about but have ignored. Uh, I I'd have, I'm deluded a lot of times. I have delusional thoughts. Uh, and, and I saw, and it was something they just touched on a little bit in the movie, not a whole lot, uh, but Bradley Cooper's character, it's these like weird paranoid delusions, uh, that come with bipolar disorder that come when you're coming up manic, where you think everyone's out to, out like, to get you, out to get you their plot in not even out to get you, uh, just plotting in the world and doing bad things and things that aren't, don't have anything to do with you. But I loved how they touched on it so gently where. Yeah. It's like, but that he thinks about that stuff all the time. Like people with manic disorders think about that stuff all the time, but they mm-hmm. don't always voice it because almost, they can't. Almost you never can't voice, it. voice it. You know it's crazy, right? But you can't stop thinking about it. Like you know for a fact, like this is not true. This is crazy. But what if it is? Right. What if it's fucking true? What if there's something? What if there's some? Even if there's some tiny nugget of truth to this, then that still means the world is a bad place, uh, and it's because it's a very sensitive illness. It's I think it is one of the most sensitive illnesses there is because it's the one that has the most uh, triggers, like immediate. And it's triggers. also extremely unique to each person, yeah. which is also what's. That's why you need to talk to someone and figure out what those triggers are because every single person is different and you can't just know in your head you're like, oh, that's a trigger. Oh, that's triggered. It's like something you need to talk out mm-hmm. to figure it out. Yeah. And it's something that I've, uh, I think, ignored about myself for a while now uh, and not really thought of because it's really scary to think about yeah. uh, because it's a, a part of me that is, I mean, and it took me a long time to, to accept that it is not who I am. Uh, it doesn't define me. Uh, it's just a part of who I am. But it's the scariest part right. of me. And it's not something that I know is going to go away because it's not. Bipolar is something you deal with your entire fucking life. Right. And, and it, it's uh, it's like being – I mean I, I always compare it to you know being a diabetic uh, where – you know, diabetics have to take insulin every day. And that's just to live ne- with that's it. never going to go away. Right. That's just something they have to put in their uh, routine and make sure that they don't, you know, eat too much sugar. Right. And <laughs> and I have to take pills every day and make sure that I stay away uh, from certain triggers. Right. Like uh, for me, uh, alcohol is a trigger, and that's something that's taken me a little bit to. Accept, you know, to figure out, not just figure out, but accept. Um, and also do something about it. Yeah. Because it's easy to find the trigger, but actually working on it mm-hmm. and dealing with that. Same thing, like you said, with taking insulin. It's like, you know that you can't drink every day. And I, I used to, and, and I don't to. anymore. Right. You know, I drink so much less than I did before, and I don't binge drink anymore. Right. Uh, and I think binge drinking was really my biggest trigger. Uh, it would be because I would I'd go out, I would uh, just fucking get wasted, and that would trigger uh, manic, uh, just uh, it would trigger manic uh, episodes. episodes. And then the next day would become depression because mm-hmm. of the manic what episodes. The and then before. I would drink more, which would trigger another manic episode. And it it got to be where I was having a manic episode every week. Uh, and with like small 
really, really small uh, depressive episodes that wouldn't last very long because I would drink to make those go away. Right. Uh, and to pump yourself back up because you really yeah. you'd rather be manic than be depressed. Like, that's the worst part, I feel like, yeah. about manic depression is that you, I feel like part of you psychologically knows those triggers and you keep hitting those triggers because you don't want to be sad. Mm-hmm. You'd rather be angry or, you know, act insane than be sad. And that's another thing that people uh, don't real. I think people don't understand about it uh, is that they think that manic equals happy. It doesn't. No, no, no. Not even close. A lot of times, manic equals anger, uh, lashing out. Uh, it equals. It, most of the time, it just equals hurting those you love right. and hurting and yourself. pushing them away and pushing them way the fuck away. Uh, I've done that so many times during manic episodes and tried to push people away uh, because you know I get delusional. You know, and I start thinking things that they're, I start thinking that they're out to get me or that they don't have my best interests in mind. And then weirdly through that, you find the people that love you the most and find the people that really care about you because they understand that, you Mm -hmm. know, especially with being friends with or loving someone that has a disorder like that. It's just getting through it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like don't fight someone when they're in that state. You just, you'll deal with it tomorrow. You know, you just have to get them through it and mm-hmm. help them yeah and nikita did that you know she sat yeah. she stuck by me through all of that shit mm-hmm. like like ed thank you uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a uh, you know really really fucking tough i know it was, it was very tough for her uh and it was you know and it was tough for me as well and that's the problem with being manic is the most time you don't know that you're doing it right and most of the time you just have no idea that you're doing and and really she put it perfect about the movie she put it perfectly last night she said i just had a movie call me silly to my face yeah (laughs) 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 and that's that's what the movie does like you're being silly yeah these things are not insurmountable uh put in the fucking work and you can get through it and even though it is you know very it's a romantic movie you know right. it's a, rom- a romantic dramedy as you say because it's yeah. funny as hell it really is like, <laughs> especially like it's just like real life funny you yeah. know and it's just i felt a lot of um I understood a lot where Jennifer Lawrence was coming from. And actually, I think what struck me besides like, I mean, I have a brother that is manic depressive as well. And Mm. I deal with that often, unfortunately. And also, like, I have anger issues. And what scares me in watching like Jennifer Lawrence's performance, because she was also absolutely amazing, Mm. is that like you could tell, especially like in her character, that she was always an angry person. But that grief spun her out of control. Yeah. And thankfully, knock on wood, I've never gone through such a detrimental grief in my life, such Mm -hmm. as losing someone really close to me or someone I really genuinely loved. And what scares me to death is that I would be like that, that I will get so angry to a point where I'm angry all the time and just push everyone away. I would argue that you have gone through something like what she went through. I mean, I did, but she, I think... I dealt with it in a manic, depressive way rather than dealing with it in just like the angry way would like it's still that part of pushing everyone away. 
Well, I would say because you know we've talked about before and uh, and after you broke up with your current boyfriend for a while. Of course, relation ending a relationship. We talked about this on the last episode. You go through a grieving period, right? Uh, and you are grieving the end of something. And you, like Jennifer Lawrence, went through a time of hypersexuality. That is true. In, Actually, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, as a way to deal with that, you know, whether you knew it or not, uh, I think some people maybe there's some sort of link between anger because I see a lot of parallels between you and that character uh, because in in the movie she uh, she her husband dies and then she fucks everyone in her office, eleven people, including women. Yeah, <laughs> every single one. Uh, yeah, and just and loses her job because of it, and then just continues on this path of de- self-destructive hypersexuality. Uh, and maybe there's some sort of link there. I mean, I think that especially, I imagine that like with me, aggression and sex are very closely linked. Yeah. Uh, and not so much anymore as like with a loving partner, but at the time it was never, I mean, it was always like guys that were into S&M, guys that were into hitting, guys, you know, it's like I found myself, that's why it was so scary and, and like a lot of people didn't know that I was going through that kind of thing where the bruises all over my body and because mm-hmm. I wanted that, yeah. I needed to feel that because I needed to feel, like I'd never cut myself before, but I would say, getting punched in the face while getting fucked from behind would definitely equivalent to cutting yourself. Yeah. It's a, that is the same thing. Just someone else is holding the knife. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> and it, it's scary. It's absolutely terrifying. And I guess you're right. I never really, I never really thought of that as an actual grief, but you're completely right. Yeah. And even in thinking of a fact that like, if I ever lose him, I don't know what I'd do. Nah, you ain't you gonna know? lose him. Yeah, he better not. <laughs> better fucking not. <laughs> or you'll never see me again. I'll be gone. I will take care of you. <laughs> me and Nikita will take care of you. God damn it! You ain't getting. You ain't get. You might get away from him. You ain't getting away from us. All right. All right. <laughs> no, but it's just so scary to lose control in in any way. And like, and thinking of that, where I remember also being given medication, and I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to not feel. And taking it. And feeling better and liking myself again. But it's scary taking it that first time. Yeah. It's just so – and like what I – and especially like in the movie again. I don't mean to just always talk about the movie. No, no, no. This is what I wanted to talk about today. (laughs) It just really shows the power of how terrifying it is to have your actual emotions curbed by a pill. Yeah. And it's something really hard to deal with. Like right now I'm not on them and I don't know if I should be, you know, I go on and off because I don't go to a doctor that tells me I have to take them. So I'm just have a cabinet filled with these pills that I'm supposed to take and it's not something you're supposed to do. In fact, I'd probably feel better. But then for me, what they always gave me made me feel dead. Yeah. And like, I think the problem with like Prozac and things like that, it's, there are some people it helps completely Mm. and for some reason my therapist never really listened to me when i said it made me feel dead she's like no you're not dead you're just not angry and it's like but there's not anything else i can try because it made me not feel Mm -hmm. and that also i feel like hurt myself and other people even more than me getting angry for no reason yeah and it's so where is that 
where's that middle level? I think you just need to find someone that will actually listen to you, that you can try different things because there's so many different things for you to be able to take uh. that you know that if you're on something for a while and it's not making you feel okay, say something about it. Mm. And say something about it, which I wish I had done years ago, being like, this doesn't work. Listen <laughs> to me. I do not want to feel this way anymore. And it's just hard, especially when you're young, because mm. they just, a lot of doctors just don't listen. Yeah. And they think you just don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, I'd rather, I mean, even the other night we had, at another podcast I went into what I like to call the red where I can't even I just get so mad that I can't even see straight and I can't even think straight but it's like I'd rather feel that than feel nothing Mm -hmm. it's that's the hardest thing to parse and and mental illness is the fucking hard it's the hardest thing to go through because you don't know what's supposed to be there you don't know what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there. Uh, and I can get so turned around. I can turn myself around a thousand fucking miles from Tuesday. And I'm so wrapped up in myself, my own thoughts, that I don't know what's true and what's not anymore. Yeah. Like I don't know what I, what I want and what I don't want. Uh, and it's... It's kind of a swirl of the manic and the depressive, you know, and, and it's a swirl of hate and love, you know, and, and de- manic and uh, depression and, you know, manic feelings, they can be uh, either one. Uh, but really, I mean, sometimes I like when I'm manic, all I want to do is hate. And when I'm depressed, when I'm depressed, all I want to do is love. Right. How fucked up is that? So fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how. Well, because it's much easier to hate, especially on the fly, than yeah. it is to love. And I feel like when you're depressed, you just you're missing that. You're missing that love for yourself, and so you need it. You need someone to come and fill that hole for you, but you can't. You need to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else can't fill that for you. Nope, not at all. Oh man, that Jesus Christ! <laughs> just that, like that movie, and it shook well, both upset. of us. Both of us. <laughs> Oh, now I am yeah. upset. <laughs> it, it shook both of us to the core, you know? Like me. And I know I came in talking about it like a month ago when I saw it. No one had seen it. And I was just like, you have – I can't. <laughs> Please watch this. <laughs> and it's like my mom is not as bipolar as my grandmother is. You know, I call the bat woman from fucking hell. <laughs> and so in dealing with a lesser form of it, my mom doesn't – realize that she has the same tendencies Mm -hmm. as my grandma you know it's all in the family it's just something that's passed down from generation to generation thank god i would say that i'm less bipolar than my mother is Mm. so that's something that's lessening i don't really consider you to be bipolar. no i mean it's a very it's pretty mild i do exactly that's that's the thing and my mom is less than my grandmother but i would say that manic depression is rising through our generations which is also really scary to think about yeah it's like what kind of kids am i gonna have one day you know i don't are they gonna be insane or are they gonna be fine i don't know you just hit upon the biggest fear that i have but at least you know how to talk to them Mm -hmm. you know at least that's the one thing is that i feel like Especially with the two of us, I was just discussing this earlier today when, like, dealing with your own children someday, which whether we have kids or we don't have kids, you know, it's just something about teaching the next generation of 
opening up mm-hmm. and not keeping you behind closed doors. Because even in this day and age, I feel like it's still something people are too scared to talk about. Like it's a bad fucking word when you say, oh, I take pills every day. It, it is. And it's not. It's okay. It's working on yourself to make you have a better life. It freaks people out. Because I've thought for, you know, I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm not going to let myself be stigmatized about it. Uh, but some people, like, it fucking weirds people out if you're if you're open with it. If you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm severely bipolar and I take uh, two pills every single day. You know, it's like, I mean, I guess it's the way you present it. Right. Uh, but I... There's, I'm not ashamed of it at all, and I don't think anyone should be. And that's why one of the reasons why you know, I've always wanted to talk about it so openly on this show because I don't want people to be ashamed of it, and I don't want people to feel like that they're less than human because of it because it's easy to. It's oh, yeah. really easy to fall into that trap. And just like the shame, too. Mm-hmm. There's just Because it's something chemically wrong with you. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, that can't be fixed. But the thing is that pills do fix it. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, if you take the right things, it can actually balance you out and you don't need to be afraid of it anymore. I feel like there's such a fear when you realize you're like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I, there's definitely something wrong with me. But then there's also the other side of it where I feel like there's such a hyper tension about like oh there's something wrong with you take pills take pills take pills yes so it's like there's also that as well where you know i've said this before on here too where i was supposed to be on ritalin when i was a kid my mom's like no she's a kid i'm not putting her on ritalin because that's when it started was about 20 years ago when Mm. like then it started pushing it and pushing it and like younger and younger and younger and i think that that also has to do with being so scared of it because when you start so young, when you're like, there's something wrong with me, yeah. there's something wrong with me, it it doesn't let you grow. It doesn't let you think better. You know, I, I think that like unless there's something de- definitely you should take pills when you're young when like they're like, oh, no, there's legitimately something here. We know about it. But we don't have the tests for that yet. Like we don't know yet. You're no. still growing up. It's so fu- It's such a crapshoot. And it, I think I was put on Prozac way too young. Yeah. I don't think that I should have been put on Prozac at 14. No. I was too young. Yeah. That's... I'm just moody. I mean, I know I definitely have anger issues, but let me figure shit out. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that it might have made it worse. I think a lot of times people will put their kids on pills because it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of letting the kids figure it out and letting the kids find out who they are on their own, you can give them a pill and okay, so she doesn't get in trouble at school so much anymore. Uh, sure, she's dead to the world, but I don't have to deal with her. Right. Uh, and that sucks. That's really that's really shitty. And I've thought about that a lot with uh, you know the kid, you know the kids that I have because it's very. Very because mental illness runs both my in mine and Nikita's family, and it's, it's in me and Doug's family as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the same kinds of mental illness, uh, and it scares the fuck out of me uh, that you know the kids that we have might have some sort of mental disorder. But I also think it's like I don't want to just throw pills at these kids. I don't want to constantly be looking for 
some sort of like problem. You know, problem. I don't want to constantly be looking at them and trying to find something wrong with them. That's not the way you should deal with kids. It's not the way you should, you know, fucking raise kids. It's like, well, let's just keep an eye on them because something's going to be wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's going to fucking... There are kids. Uh, it's got to be weird at some point. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you're talking about people not opening up today, and I think... Uh, people do open up. They just do it in the, all the wrong ways. Yeah, you that's know, they true. They open up on Facebook or that, Twitter yes. or they do a video blog or something like that. You don't need to uh, – I mean, and I say this on a podcast, but you don't need to open up to the public. Like you, you really, you really don't. It's, it's something. It, I, it's different between a podcast and like a Facebook status. Yeah. When it it's so – at least I feel like what we're doing here is personal because people listen to us and they know what we are going through. Yeah. As opposed to a Facebook status that you're just looking for attention then mm -hmm. rather than actually talking to someone. And it's not going to help at all. No. It doesn't get it out. It doesn't release anything. It, you know, if you want to write something down, write it in a journal. Yeah. Right, you know, write for two hours. Just get it out. And it's not always something you don't have to share it for it to be real, which I think is a big problem with the technology of our age that, like, if I didn't share it, if I didn't say anything about it, then it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. It, you know, you feel these things. You're a human being. Talk to someone face to face. I'm not even just saying a therapist. I mean, meet up with your friends. Fucking connect with someone. You have to. Yeah. We can't. And I just feel like our generation is completely losing that. It's yeah. all anonymity, which does make us freer in the long run. It's great to be able to create and to have that kind of environment. However, when it comes to actually dealing with human beings, you need to talk to human beings. You have to. You know, and and. Hug someone, be close <laughs> to someone, feel them. You know, it's it's so much more than writing and staring at your phone all day. Yeah, it, it, that I think that's something that really it genuinely upsets me. Me too. I think about it a lot. And like even like laying in bed at night when like ready to go to sleep, and Doug is on his phone looking up something about recording music. And I'm like, no phone in the bed. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I'm like, I'm going to be a bitch about this. But yeah. I finally made the decree of no phone or electric devices in the bed when we're about to go to sleep. Yeah. Because talk to me. Let's talk about a day. We can talk about anything. You put it down for a second mm -hmm. and connect. Yeah. Uh, it's the disconnect that our generation has, and and men, and I feel, I just feel okay. You've seen Children of Men, right? The one with it's a, cutie. It's, He's cute. Yeah, with Clive Clive, Clive Owen. Owen. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. All I have to do is just name the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, my favorite dystopian movie. And I'm a bit of a connoisseur. That's uh, your favorite one? Yeah. Wow. And it's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top three favorite, mo favorite movies. You know what? I'm going to throw it out there. I don't think I've ever actually seen the whole thing. You got to. Yeah. It's got the best action scene I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, it's, then I'll give it a shot. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's a dystopian future where, uh, for some reason, nobody can get pregnant anymore. Uh, and the youngest person in the world is 18. So, and it's been like 18 years since uh, anybody has has, a, has had a child. No, 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 no. The youngest person in the world is like 16. And there's a scene where Clive Owen is over at his friend's house, and his son is at the table, and he's just completely hooked in to 
some sort to the internet, some sort of network, and he's playing a game, and he's just moving his fingers so fast, and you can't even tell what he's doing, and he's doing it on this weird kind of touch screen, and it's this extreme disconnect, like it is the most disconnect I've ever seen, and I'm so fucking afraid that that's our future, that yeah. that's where we're going. And Weirdly I, enough, my favorite one is Idiocracy. I don't know if you've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I but love it's that like, movie. It's almost like in the opposite way, but also a way that I feel like we're also going where the smart people don't have kids anymore mm-hmm. because they don't want to raise them in this technologically filled age. So it's just stupid people procreating and that they can't even speak well anymore because the speak is all in like internet speak and it's all short and fast and just getting through it and it's like everyone has 20 televisions yeah. things like that where on the opposite end but still going in that way it's that disconnect of not being able to have a good generation ever again here's my hope what's your hope i have one hope for this because if there's one thing you can count on kids to do it's rebel and that is true. what i what i hope is i i think the millennials i really hope we're not a lost generation I really do. Ugh. Like I, I, I hope that our ge- our generation has done some great shit, and we continue to do cool stuff all the time. There's a lot of great art in our generation. Definitely. There's a lot of great like technological advances created by people that are you know at the moment thirty and younger. Right. Uh, but I just get the feeling of the tail end, the extremely connected generation, the people who's the internet has always been there for them. I'm hoping that their kids are going to completely rebel against all technology and just do something weird, do something different. Uh, do it in small tribes, small groups, really get like a fucking like this. You know what? It doesn't matter if people in New York know what we're doing. We're doing this shit in fucking Bismarck, North Dakota. Hell yeah. And, and Bismarck is what matters and locality is what matters. Fuck being connected to the rest of the world. We're doing this shit right here. Uh, And I think that'll just... And eventually, the people that come out of that will move to New York or Los Angeles, and they'll bring their uh, the type of shit that they learned and the type of shit that they developed in those small places and bring it out, and then it gets to the rest of the world. And that's... That's my hope. Weirdly that- enough, I feel like even part of like the culinary world where things are now local and homegrown and mm-hmm. what's close to us, I feel like that could also spread to other things where it's, you know, it's about family. It's about our city. It's about what we create. It's about yeah. what we do rather as opposed to the universe. And unfortunately, it's probably going to be... World War Three that fucking starts it, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah. I mean, I feel like it's going to take something cataclysmic that that really forces people to refine themselves as human beings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're heading there that way anyway. But all I can hope is that our kids will find solace in that. Yeah. Or even their kids. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to return to a tribal society here sooner than rather than later. Yeah. Once the internet goes down, man. Oh, we're all fucked, man. I'm out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you want to get to the question for yeah, today? Please do. All right. 
We got a letter from Kelly today. Thank you so much for writing in, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. First off, longtime fan of pretty much all the CCR podcasts, but uh, Sex and Other Human Activities turned me on to you guys. Great job to you both in continuing to give great advice, even after losing Sarah Benincasa. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. My best friend, we'll call her G, is going through a pretty rough patch of depression. Although I have dealt indirectly with depression, it runs in my family, and my sister managed serious depression in her early 20s, I feel ill-equipped to advise my friend. She, like me, lives paycheck to paycheck and does not feel she can afford to go to a therapist. She also has qualms about spilling her guts to a stranger and thinks that she has no reason to be depressed, therefore it is a source of shame to her. However, she carries the weight of the drama of both her family and her fiancé's family. She's had to cope with her mother spending most of the time in the hospital since we were both in high school, and she's the only one in her immediate family that's being realistic about the idea that her mom might die soon. On top of that, she works full-time at a job she hates so that she can save up enough to finish college, and her fiancé, bless his soul, refuses to do a thing around the house, so she ends up picking up another shift when she gets home from work, cleaning, cooking, and doing dishes. He wants to provide support for her, but he really doesn't understand depression, and that is an all and that it, it is an all-encompassing involuntary thing. She's tried depression medication, but has ceased to take them because she claims they do not make a difference. I know it's not my place to butt in, but I love her, and if I can provide any insight or advice that can make her feel better, I would like to do so. Do you have any insight or sage wisdom that I may pass on? For now, I just offer my support, but I don't know if it's enough. Best regards, Kelly. I say first of all. Don't look to us for insight or sage wisdom. Look to your fucking sister. Yeah, <laughs> like definitely. Your, yeah, your sister was the one that went through serious depression in her early 20s. Sounds like your friend is probably around the same age if these, she's still trying to put herself through college. Uh, and I would say that would be the best person to talk to about this. Especially to find out how she feels and what makes her feel better. And if she's been battling it, maybe she's better at this point, and especially as you grow up. Not that it gets easier, but you you gain different perspective as you get older. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely ask her, but also thank you for supporting her. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like she doesn't have a lot of support and you are the best. Like, it, I mean, yeah. like having a best friend to really talk to through depression is unlike any therapist, someone that knows you entirely and anything that you do to help her is amazing. Yeah. And you can, uh, I, I, we've gotten a lot of letters like this and I can always tell when someone looks at it as a burden and when someone looks at it as just, this is my friend, help me. Yes. And, and this I love is, her. Yeah. And I, this is my friend. I love her and help me. And this is exactly what that is. You yeah. Know? And that's admirable. Not a lot of people do that. I would and, say maybe even talk to her fiance. I think you should. I, I think that, she no person deserves that no and especially someone that doesn't understand something like that that not for you i don't even see this as butting in if she is unable to get across especially through her depression that she needs more of his help then talk to him if you're friends with him at all even just say help her around the house cook dinner every once in a while unfortunately a lot of women find themselves in that place of no this is my job (laughs) and even I find myself as someone that like I see myself as a confident woman I still cook dinner I still work on the house I still do that stuff but Doug helps me as well yeah and I feel like if she had a main support with her fiance and obviously they're getting married so this is someone that she's really serious about that he needs to fucking step up 
Mm-hmm. He needs to help her more. And if he, even if he doesn't understand, it doesn't matter. You understand that you need to help around the house. Yeah. And if she's in school and he works all day and if he's in school at all, it's you are together in a relationship. And if he doesn't see that and she is honestly, it's scary sometimes to ask. I feel like in yeah. especially you don't want to be like, I'm not. You know, I, you don't have to walk all over me, that kind of thing. And especially if you're depressed, it's hard to say something like that. When you're depressed, it's, it's, that's the hardest time to stand up for yourself. Right, because uh, it's your self-worth, unfortunately, is through the goddamn floor. Yeah, yeah, and you feel like that you deserve to do this. Like, you, yeah, I deserve, because I'm putting him through so much with my depression, then he, you know, then I don't have to make him do anything. You're not making him do anything. It's just something that he should do. Right. That's not, there. there's nothing that this girl should be, uh, feel like that she's imposing something upon him. Uh, it's just something that a dude does. You know, maybe not in the past. Now, these days, in order to keep a happy relationship where just one person isn't just trapped because it's the fifties, right? And they, can, yeah. and they can't get a divorce. You know, it's you know, it's just not that way anymore. That's just not how it works. And especially if she works a full time job that she hates, that's the worst place to be. And right. that's especially when you're going through a big depression. That just makes it so much worse you know when i've gone through depression luckily you know sometimes i've been lucky to have a job that i really love uh sometimes i've been unlucky enough to have a job that i fucking despised uh and hated everyone that i worked with uh and just went in and felt like my life was worthless and that can make you feel even more worthless when you're working a job you hate you're just like what the fuck what am i doing right like what am i doing i'm but luckily this girl has a light at the end of the tunnel because she's looking she's saving up for college I'd say if you're going to talk to his fiance, don't make a big deal out of it. No. Don't like don't call him up and say like, "Listen, we need to talk." Right. You know, nothing like that. Just find some moment when the two of you can be alone. And especially the way you said it with his bless his heart. Yeah. Like, obviously you don't hate this dude. Yeah, you obviously you like this guy. He doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like you think he's a bad sounds dude. Sounds like he's just not thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of guys unfortunately just they don't realize it and mm-hmm. they just need to be told and just like a lot of people just don't understand depression right it's like well why don't you just feel better that's not how it works i even have a hard time uh, understanding depression and i suffer from depression right you know i have a a hard time understanding it in in other people sometimes uh and i fucking know firsthand what it's like so it's very hard to understand it's extremely hard and it sounds like that you know her friend might be a little afraid to even talk to her fiance about it. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't even fucking know. You know, it, it's, it doesn't it's, sound like it. If he's not, if, you know, even if you don't understand the disease, you, you understand that you need to help then in any other way possible. You're like, I can't help you not be depressed anymore, but I can help in these ways. Mm-hmm. I can help make life better in these ways. And it's just changing the perspective of that. See, that's that's a very good point right there is that it's not about making them feel better. It's about making their life better, making life easier for them so they can deal with that stuff on their own, you know, and, you know, and just hell, tell him because I think you need to talk to the fiance more than you need to talk to your friend. Yeah, that this seems like it's, you know, and just tell him to ask her what she wants. What just what do you want? 
Like, what do you want me to do? And if she says, I don't know, then accept that. Right. Like, that's an answer. Because sometimes you don't you know. You don't know. Sometimes you just don't know what you want. And, and don't, don't ask, what can I do? Like, ask, what do you want? You yeah. know? And then if she wants you to do something, then she'll you tell you that. There. But I think what, what do you want is a very open-ended question that can go a million different ways. And that you can find out a million and, you know, and it'll help her to talk it out with, because, you know, a, the relationship you have with your best friend and the relationship you have with your fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, it's, they're both very close, very important relationships. Very but they're different. also very different. And you have different conversations with your significant other than you do with your best friend. Uh, that's just the way it goes. Right. You, you know, you tell, you can tell one person things that you can't tell the other. Uh, and, uh, but not because they don't under, understand. It's just that each they person know has you a, in a different way. Each person has a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so that, that helps out so much. And, and that's, that would be my advice is that you need to, you need to talk to the fiance and just say like, Hey, I'm worried about her. I know you're worried about her. Let's, try to fix this together and right. not put it all on him. It's like, you need to fix this or anything. No, it's, it's just together. like, let's do this together because obviously something's wrong. We both love her very much. Uh, and and maybe even like even through talking to her, I don't know if you know her family very well, but maybe her fiance could help out with everything she's thinking about with her mother as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, unfortunately, I'm watching my mother go through this right now where she doesn't speak to her brothers anymore because they just dumped my terrible grandmother on her. And she's like, she is dying and I'm the only one that is here to take care of it. And unfortunately, she's dealing with this at a very at a much younger age. But her fiance needs to be able to step up and yeah. be a man and help her. With these family issues, because it's not his family, but it is his family. It it's is going no, to be it his is his family. family. Like, and if her sisters or if her brothers aren't doing anything about it, then they need to deal with it. It's not something you can just put by the wayside. And of course, that weighs on her terribly. Mm. And also, like what you said, the shame that she feels. It's just, I feel like opening up the communication between you and her fiance and her would really alleviate some of that shame because it's okay to talk about it now and okay to deal with her mother and you need to deal with the fact that she is not doing well. Yeah. And it needs to be talked about rather than something that she just worries about and worries about and worries about. And I know that she talks to you, Kelly, about it, but she needs to be able to rely on her fiancé. Mm-hmm. And the the therapy thing, not not being able to afford therapy, probably, if she's living paycheck to paycheck, probably not going to be able to afford a therapist, but no. she might be able to afford counseling. Two different things. Especially if you're in school. Yes. Look into, you know, I don't know what school you go to, but they, if they have a psychology major or anything, there are people that are looking for people to talk to, mm-hmm. that, you know, that they're trying to work out their own things and they want to talk to you as well. And if you were on a campus, there's got to be a way for you to find someone to talk to. I know here in New York, you can go to uh, NYU, mm-hmm. uh, people that are going for their doctorate uh, and people I- that are completely capable Totally qualified. Absolutely qualified. Uh, and if you look into counseling, some a lot of times counseling, even in a shithole like Lubbock, 
200,000 people. I got counseling. Yeah. I went and saw a counselor for about a month. Uh, and I understand the fear of spilling your guts to a stranger. Like that, that's all it is. It's just complete and total fear. It's so freeing though. It's so freeing. Because and, they have no bias. And not only do they have any bias, but they're not going to fucking tell anyone. Exactly. Because they can't. Yeah. They literally <laughs> can't law. tell anyone. Yeah. Like, it, it's, they're not. So that, that to me was a very freeing thing. It's I, weird. It's like you're putting your secrets into a vault. Yeah. But you're actually getting them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that helps out so much. And it and it could be if she's tried the depression medication, but she says claims they don't make a difference. This happens a lot with people. Is that they'll take it for a week, nothing happens. Oh, it takes so years. They, so <laughs> they, they they'll take it for a week, nothing happens. So they'll stop. Uh, and really, like a medication will sometimes take up to a month for yeah. it to really start taking antidepressants. Sometimes take up to a month for you to really start feeling any change whatsoever and also if it's not the right one for you as well mm -hmm. then you talk to someone especially in counseling there are people for you to talk to yeah and the hardest thing about uh uh, the hardest thing to deal with about all this is that getting or fixing no still using the wrong words uh maintaining your mental illness uh above and beyond uh, above and beyond takes patience Oh, yeah. That's the one thing that it takes more than anything. And listening to yourself. Yeah. You know, to know what you need and how you need to feel it, Mm -hmm. basically. Like what you were saying earlier where you don't know how to feel because you'd never felt that way before. So you take these pills and you're like, this isn't working. This isn't working. But that's just because you're so used to there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me as well. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's patience and it's listening to yourself. Yep. Well, that's all I got. Yeah, me too. Oh, shit, hope it all works out. Yeah, thank you so much for writing in, though. Yeah, yeah, and if uh, any of you listeners have any kind of, uh, if you have any kind of uh, questions for us, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. I am emotionally drained right now. Yes, I'm a little bit perturbed in myself. <laughs> <laughs> we got ourselves all work. I feel good, though. Yeah, I do. I, I feel good. I do? Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you, guys.